This week on Prequel Sequel Remake. Let us hire an inexpensive stripper. He sailed out of LA Harbor one day drunk in a schooner and got lost in the Bermuda Triangle. Save that butter for me. It's the best part. Ugh, gross. Don't miss Prequel Sequel Remake. Some movies shouldn't exist. Let's pretend they do. I'm Peter Hunter. I'm Desmond Port. And I'm Scott Hedge. And welcome to another installment of Prequel Sequel Remake, the movie and comedy podcast where we do what, Desmond? Oh, we uh, we take movies that have not been milked to death and given prequels, sequels, or remake, and uh, we make um, fictional those. Yeah. Well put. And then, Scott, what are we prequel, sequel, remake-ing this week? Yes, this week we are doing Cast Away. Castaway. Yeah, this, Castaway. The streak of us doing good movies continues. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and Castaway I'm, is a good movie. It is a good movie. It's uh, very sad. Yeah. Very it's bleak. Very bleak. It's, but it works in its favor. Oh, yeah. It's a very good film, and I don't think, I think most people will agree. Uh, uh, at the time, it was a big deal. We were younger, but um, I remember it being a big deal. Yeah, uh, I, I remember seeing the Wilson foot, uh, football volleyballs in the stores where yeah. it's just yep. the volleyball with. There's never been before or since a movie that's packed more emotion into a volleyball. You know what I mean? (laughs) I would agree. Which is just like a a long con, you know, for, you know, product placement. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. What's the the, uh, brief synopsis um, of of the film Castaway for those who are really going into this not having seen it? But sure. Yeah, um, so Castaway is about... Uh, Chuck, I believe his last name is Nolan. Okay, Nolan, yes, Chuck Nolan. Um, who's played by As Tom in Hanks? See no land. Get it? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Um, yeah. Do you think that was one of those deliberate things? Yes, or? yes that was most dirty. really okay. That was deliberate. Okay, now that I'm thinking Someone... about that. So anyway, Mr. C. Noland um, is a higher up at Federal Express. He like goes to their individual like fulfillment centers to like increase their efficiency. Starts with this really weird scene in Russia where he does that, um, and he is flying over the South Pacific um, to do one of these things, and his plane crashes, um, and everyone on the flight dies except for him, and he's marooned on a land. An island all by himself with basically nothing, and that's that's the movie. And it's him surviving. Yes. Um, this was kind of you know precursor to there's the Survivor show that was coming out, but there's also the string of survivalist shows with yeah. like you know Bear, Bear Grylls and stuff like that. Yeah. And there's also Lost that came out, you know, yeah. Right yeah. After that, so this movie kind of dovetails nicely into all of those themes. Which is and, so and, funny and, when yeah. when Lost came out, I remember people saying one of two things like what like what like Castaway or two. Uh, uh, what, what, like Survivor? Like, and even when I had heard of Lost, it was like, was, was this, a, this a reality show? <laughs> people, a bunch of re- regular people on an island have to survive? And, yeah, no, it's, it's Land of the Lost. Oh, right? uh, Land of the Lost, yeah. yeah. And before this movie, I mean, you know, the, the Survival in a Desert Island genre was delegated to shit like uh, uh, Gilligan's Island. And, yeah, uh, before or since, they really haven't done no. much. At least they did it. They, thankfully, they did a really good job on Castaway, so it's like, yeah, okay, we... We've seen that that movie. You know, there's nothing that I felt like was lacking in Castaway, except for finding out what's in that last box. You oh, know, yeah. for those who don't know, throughout the movie, maybe you should watch it. I don't know. You know, before watching, just listening don't. to the podcast. But it's a shit anyway, movie. No. Um, what? What? you know, <laughs> he finds a series of packages on the on the beach that wash up on the beach, and you know, to keep his sanity and his his lifeline to his former self, he doesn't open the last package, which. I mean, 
I get it, but it's like oh, I would have, you know, I would have. Come on, a year in, I would have done it. Like he's there for he's on the island for four years. Like yeah. he's got no entertainment, no nothing. He's got a volleyball named Wilson. It could have been with his blood. It could have been any number of things. You know, of course, it was. You know, probably waterproof matches or his cell phone. Yeah, or, that's know, the dramatic yeah. movie thing. And and I, they say, who is it? Either Zemeckis or, or or Tom Hanks says that. Oh, it was a it was a, a satellite, satellite phone. phone. <laughs> F- you. Yeah. That's such a retroactive. Like yeah. like. Uh, oh yeah, we're yeah. It was the thing that could get him off here the whole time. It never but, was. It was just a, a you know mystery box type thing. I mean, it's it, just rock. It yeah. has a. It actually has a pretty beautiful piece of character development. And symbolism for the movie, and you know, maybe I'm just an asshole for wanting to know what was in it. But come on, did the, the lady was right there. You had to just like go you over go back. to her house. Yeah, and you couldn't go just back. Just out of curiosity, what was in that package? Just because I was just on a yeah, here's know, the, island for here's, years. Yeah, here's the and, Time magazine piece about me. Yeah, um, you might have remembered. I me. didn't open your package that whole fucking time. You're welcome. Uh, we're going. We're going straight to the ending. Yeah, I, mean, I guess we really. Well, because uh, there's really not a lot of meat to discuss I in mean, the middle because the middle is just him struggling. There's a lot of him getting cut and then you're thinking yeah. he's going to die getting from the cut. F***ed up. Yeah. And, and, you know, doing some amateur uh, dental surgery to himself oh, with, a, with, oh, a, with an ice skate and a rock. Like, it was not good. I'm not going to tell you straight up. It's a bad way to go about pulling a tooth out. Yeah. You, you, yeah. You, you, you use a skate. Yeah. You literally a use a, a, like, a blade and, you know, you put the blade in your mouth. Bad, bad move. Yeah, it's and you not hit it good. with a rock. And I get it. It looks great for the movie. You know, again. He just passes power, out. But, yeah. He, goes, he wakes up a gangrenous, uh, uh, yeah. a gaping gum wound. Yeah, that's it. it I'm just saying, there's better ways to go about it, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I I agree wholeheartedly. Um, Robert Zemeckis made this. It's a weird movie. I would say for to, Robert Zemeckis to do without me looking at it, that is IMDb. It's probably the last really good Zemeckis movie, right? You didn't love Monster House? No, no, I didn't love Monster House <laughs> at all. Oh yeah, sorry. Excuse me a second. I'm just gonna crack. Ah, crack over a nice can of grogs. Beer. <laughs> it's very, very. Creative. It's good beer. It's very, very astute. Very. Good. Um, I will say major, major props to Tom Hanks for his performance in this. Like, it, yeah. as an actor, that had to be exhausting and like so, so difficult to do. Like, literally acting off of a beach volleyball, you know, for how many hours a day? That's got to be. I can't even imagine what. That Apparently, would be. they gave Wilson lines that were Did in they? the script. <laughs> Another thing I don't fucking believe. I think it's one of those artsy things that write, screenwriters and directors say after to make themselves seem well, smart. Well, I don't know. It makes sense to me. They could have someone reading well, what makes his sense. response would be. They're like never intending it to be in the movie. Sure. To make it easier for Tom. As voiced by Meatwad. I'm just skeptical of these like amazing things that uh, uh, filmmakers give them credit for. Uh, give themselves credit for later on. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe they did. Maybe they did. But yeah. uh I don't we, know if we could take a look at that script, uh, yeah. you know, fork it, fork it over. Let's, let's, let's have a 
you fully love, transparent. You love Robert Zemeckis. You I adore done, Back to the Future. Done, he did Roger Rabbit. That's what yeah, my favorite and Roger Rabbit. Ever. He's yeah, a great director. Yeah, he, he really like is. He would bow to, if, you, uh, uh, if he asked you to bow down before him, you would do it gladly. He, yeah, bow down. That's yeah. the line that's drawn. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> uh, anyway. Hey, uh, you know, I just met you and all of your fan. Uh, would you bow down to me real quick? Just, <laughs> oh, just a quick bow. Yeah. I'm not asking for a lot here. You know, just a quick bow. Do you, uh, quick do you remember who framed Roger Rabbit? You know, I just made your childhood back. Oh, I remember. That is good. We can make another. I uh, guess since I was the director, you could say I framed Roger Rabbit with the, ca- <laughs> with the camera. <laughs> you kids get that right with the with your iPhones and your Snapchat. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Um, Funny enough, uh, uh, Robert Zemeckis is just... Not, he's one of those guys that just like went crazy with technology. Uh, well, just you know, I can make movies all CGI. Stuff, yeah. I don't have to hire actors, really. I mean, you know, um, all aboard! Oh, Polar Express is awful. There's it's like, not good. It's not good. Like I, isn't not like good. Eddie Deason in it? You know, you know who I'm talking about? Uh, the fucking nerdy guy from like. <laughs> Fuck it. Let's move no, on. Did You're right. Eddie Deason is in that movie, and he's uh, is Eddie Deason Sheen. He's on the Jimmy know it Utron. all from War Games, and yeah. he's in Greece as Eugene. I don't know if he's in Jimmy Neutron. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. He kind of sounds like this. In, uh... Oh, he's Mandark in Dexter's Lab. He's Mandark, not, not Sheen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's the big one. Oh, man, me. I love Mandark. Oh, I mean, I as a character. Yeah, Eddie Deason yeah. is a fucking child. I keep on thinking you're going to say, like, Eddie Deeds. And I'm like, what? Like, Eddie Deeds? Eddie <laughs> good Deeds for, for Eddie, Eddie McDowell. McDowell. Yeah, roll, roll the clip. I'm Eddie McDowell. I'm a dog. They turn me into a dog. They turn me into a dog. They treat me like a dog. Better get started on them good deeds. How about another hundred good deeds, Eddie? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, that man's a sociopath. You know, yeah. is, is, you know, so I'm sorry to sidetrack on Eddie McDowell. Yeah. hundred good deeds for Eddie McDowell. You, you're basically saying we'll have... Minimum a hundred episodes of the show. <laughs> when like ninety-seven deeds into the thing, the guys r- retracting deeds, and you're back to ninety-nine, Eddie. What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? You're counting on so many episodes. If you have any intention of finishing this premise, or maybe you didn't. Maybe you didn't give a fuck if Eddie McDowd turned back into a fucking seventeen-year-old, uh, uh, a seventeen-year-old hey. Seth Green. To be fair, he would never turn into Seth Green. Only Seth Green stand-in. Seth, Ma- Seth, Seth Green. Seth jumped- Green did not. Uh, uh, I don't believe he stepped foot on set. I don't. He jumped ship after episode uh, uh, or season one. And if I'm mistaken, when you do see human Eddie, it's not Seth Seth Green. It's just one of those. Yo, here's a dog, and we're gonna just gonna throw a voiceover over it, and you know, there we go. That's that's the dog (laughs) acting, and you know, you get the right dog, you just pay him in food. And this is, you know, come on, kid, throw me a bone. Exactly. Anyway, yeah, you are right. Um, Eddie McDowd was voiced by Jason Hervey. Season two on. Yeah, yeah. So I seem smart now, Who's don't the, I? Oh my god, he was in Monster Squad. Um, he was in the Wonder Years. He's Wayne Arnold in the Wonder Years. Um, Wayne. He's the stupid kid that um, Pee Wee like that stole Pee Wee's bike and Pee Wee's big picture. Oh, Francis. Yeah, he, yeah. So that guy sucks. It's my birthday, Pee Wee, and I want your bicycle. Yeah. My dad could ask. Yeah. Yeah, that, uh, yeah. Great movie. Yeah. Great movie. Cast Away. 
Cast yeah, away. Right, right, back on that. So we got to talking about Wilson, I think. And, yeah, we uh, did. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, did you explain it? Yeah, the the volleyball, volleyball with the blood print. Yeah, face. he makes friends with with Wilson. Yeah, and we talked about that. <laughs> it's yeah. okay. Um, but yeah, um, you know, it's a little bit. Of, the movie does feel like, even though it is a good movie, it does feel like there's a little bit too much of a commercial tie-in, like with Wilson Sports and with FedEx. Frankly, mm. Tom Hanks' whole opening monologue is all just about like how great FedEx is. Yeah, that's, that's that brings true. me back to my yeah. pessimistic point. I've been illustrating this entire thing. Yeah, they claim. That that they didn't seek permission from FedEx to do that in any way, and and FedEx was just fine with it in the end. Yeah, I don't believe bull fucking shit. Yeah, I don't believe that. I don't <laughs> that believe is that a lie. Second. There's it, no way you're gonna have their logo plastered all over everything. Yeah, uh, zero zero point zero percent. No, no, no way. They definitely got some FedEx money for this, but you know, it's fine. It's probably the best movie with lots of product placement in it. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd it, say that's fair. Yeah, and maybe then, Wayne's World you know, is better, but I'll, that's just Wayne's World. And the product placement works in its favor in a way. This one because you know, a it shows how much fucking trash there is in the ocean. Let's be real. Yeah, that's but true. beyond that, it's pretty know, obscene. Yeah, when you see everything, uh, you, you, uh, it's. I hate to use the word, but the juxtaposition of uh, why do you hate of, to use that of, word? It's a good it's, word. It's okay. It's a fine. It's a fine word, but it's it's been done to death. You know what I mean? It's everyone's just juxtaposition all the time. It's okay. It, that there, that is the word that you could you use sure. for that. I just do think that, I mean, especially if, on this type of uh, if, if you've ever been yeah, a film yeah. major before, let me tell you, juxtaposition or juxtapose. I mean, it's it oh, just yeah. gets to be a bit much. I just wish there was another word you could. It probably is. We could thesaurus it up if we wanted to. I'm not going. We're not, to. We're not going to. Yeah. But I was gonna say, the juxtaposition of the products in this, you know, completely. You know, isolated island, you know, world. It actually works because it shows. Oh yeah, wow! Like, does. you know, makes everything feel a little more foreign. It's a beautifully yeah. shot movie. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's one of those beach movies where you're just like, huh, I'm swimming in the fucking ocean, trying to it would take been a cooler dip. Uh, if they had spent a little more time, like, exploring the islands, like inner forestry and stuff. Uh, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's clearly there. Yeah. Why didn't we see it? You know. Um. Yeah, I always was kind of frustrated with that too. Is I want to see more. I, honestly, it's a mo- type of movie. And agree with me or don't, because that's how it works. Uh, I could have gone for an hour more of him just doing fucking island stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, like yeah. I'm just like that's just a relaxing movie. Not a lot of dialogue. Uh, it's when just, when uh, he not- comes back, you know, and the tail end of the movie, the last third feels like, yeah, it's a bit long and you know, yeah. also drawn just- out. You know, you mean him escaping? No, 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 no. Like no, him, no. like, when he gets back to land and then he just, like, gets majorly cucked at the airport, you know what I mean? Like, which is what happened. How dare her? Uh, you should assume that he's alive, even when everything points to him being dead, you fucking selfish piece of garbage. Well, um, yeah, so this gives you point that up, put, bring that up, because I, I would like to point out what I found to be a pretty good article that you can read online. I'm only going to read a couple of quotes about it, but it's called The Secret Affair in Castaway. Um, <laughs> oh, dear. And this, this, person, this person basically does the math um, and concludes that the period of time uh, in which his uh, Chuck's wife, Kelly Frears, where we got got over his death and disappearance, got married, and had children. It was a very, very short window of time. 
and makes what I would say is a pretty good hypothesis that uh, because Chuck was pretty much married to his job, that he that she was already having an affair with his dentist, which is you know the story. It goes. is a de- right, yeah. right, right. Uh, well beforehand, you know, and that his death gave her pretty much the ultimate like oh well now I don't have the affair getting outed you know and and you know what the, the marriage probably was going to end anyway uh, kind of gave her this you know and then yeah look who comes knocking you know <laughs> hey I'm De- alive yeah. uh, but in a way I mean it makes good I'm America's that, dad that, Tom Hanks that um, um, that, that the, the plane crash actually ended up saving his life in a way you know and gave him like that you know carte blanche absolutely life, right right <laughs> all, all jokes aside on my end I mean five years right yeah it was like four or five years I, I, yeah it was right yeah his plane exploded over the, yeah, yeah. yeah it's um, like yeah he was uh, yeah pretty horrific scene during that yeah. crash oh my god I, that I, scene is so intense yeah I did a good job uh, man yeah, I mean the tail ripping off at the beginning of Lost is pretty fucking horrific too. So I will I will note I remember seeing trailers for Castaway in theaters. Yeah, um, it was fairly young. Uh, they spoiled the entire fucking movie in like a linear fashion. <laughs> like plane goes down, he's on the island, he grows the hair. They show him getting off the fucking island in the trailer. Oh. And I checked on IMDb going through the little trivia thing. That was like a huge problem, outcry people had with this movie that they just uh, 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 spoiled the entire thing. Like, I remember them showing him going over the wave on the raft. It's like, well, he gets off. And it didn't hamper my enjoyment, but it was just like maybe beginning of that type of trend of we're going to show Wait, those fucking trailers. There were just the theatrical trailers were just like, let's show you the entire movie. And it's like, well, first of all, it looks like a shit movie, so I probably wasn't going to see it, but now I don't need to because you literally just showed me the entire thing minus some right? dialogue that apparently isn't very uh, important. Could you imagine <laughs> going into T2 not knowing that Schwarzenegger is Hero Terminator? Just that, assuming he's the bad Terminator. It? No. I don't. I, I mean, there's obviously trailers of him with the kid. No, there's there's no, no way they didn't have a trailer with yeah. John on the motorcycle and the Terminator. <laughs> but I'm just, I'm just saying, if you look at the movie... You assume the fucking mild-mannered, skinny white guy, T-1000, is probably the hero, and Schwarzenegger's the bad dude, and that's pretty cool. That'd be a cool twist, but, I mean, no one no one gets that. Uh, uh, and the two of those first Terminator movies are badass. They are Fuck they, great. They, they, they do do that role reversal, and they do it really well. Yeah, uh, yeah. it's awesome. But in a way that actually justifies itself, and there it's kind of a weird hackneyed, you know. Uh, role reversal. Yeah, it, there's all this dwelling people do with trilogies of movies, and where it's just like, man, look at like the. It's possible to do a good one and two, and then move on. You know, yeah. Uh, some of the best things are just like maybe two in the series. Yeah, when you get hooked on the idea that it's gonna be a trilogy, then that's middle movie just turns into be like this wash of a setup for the third movie, and then the third movie's just all about some showdown. It's like. Maybe you could have just made one. I don't some, know. Some <laughs> showdown or like resurrecting a character that like died in the second that you know would just be resurrected in the third. Or better yet, you know, just to ensure the longevity of this podcast, how about everybody just make only one movie from now on? Yeah, just And keep never doing sequel, that. prequel, remake, really. anything. Yep. Make our jobs a whole lot easier, especially keeping up with these new movie trends True that. that are coming out. It's like, uh, you know, there should have been just one purge. 
Yeah. 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 Uh, purge year one. Yeah. Yeah. Purge begins. All right. So wrapping up real quick, Scott, would you recommend Castaway? I would recommend Castaway. Desmond, would you recommend Castaway? I would recommend Castaway. You really probably have seen it. Peter, would you recommend Castaway? Yeah, it's pretty good. Hi, Keaton. Uh, got to jump. He's stepping on stuff. It's okay. Everything's fine. Who got the board? He got the board. He definitely creepily follows that woman at the end down a, 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 a remote country road, yeah, which but, is just not cool. Yeah, but that was also just like you had that package for four years. That's beyond just coughing with your phone in hand and yeah. to make her feel like, oh yeah, I'm here. You know, it's like no, you're following yeah. some person. She doesn't know. Yeah. I, <laughs> Up. I don't really blame him that much. What do you mean you don't blame him? You don't, don't follow people like I, that. I mean, yeah, I understand, <laughs> but like, look, if he explained the situation to her, she probably wouldn't be that weird. She said pepper spray him. Uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> Let us know in the comment section of whatever platform you're listening to this on. All right, um, now I guess it's time to move into the meat of the show. The meat. And the potatoes, yeah, if you prefer I, that, to the meat. Potatoes! <laughs> Mash them, boil them, stick them in a steel. So, the pickle. This time, penned by Peter. Peter Hunter. Thank you, Smeagol. Um, I'm going to say this got away from me a little bit. Um, mm. Good. And that's about all I'll say about it. Don't you fucking apologize on I'm not apologizing. Mic'd. I'm just saying. You're mic'd. I'm just, I apologized before. Full, yeah, but that, they don't hear that. Yeah, well, like, that's why I did it on mic. Full no side. shit, we're being recorded right now. Oh. Every word we say is being taped and recorded and put into some kind of editing program. And then some future me is, you know, add a little sound effect here, a little music drop there. Little swear word bleep that apparently is a very divisive topic among people. Apparently, a lot of people don't like the bleep. Yeah. Well, I, I like the bleep. I like the bleep. I think the bleep's really? funny. Who? I, I, I don't know. People online. Yeah, you I, know, haven't, like, I haven't heard anything about it on our podcast. Well, not on our podcast, yeah. no, but I've heard other people like, anytime there's a bleep, I just, just shut off immediately and like, oh, wow, well, well. I think it's fine. So, hey. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, honestly, hey, let us know. What if do you guys really what, hate what, it, you know? What do you think of the bleep? Less editing uh, for me. Uh, you know, we make this uh, not you, for our own purposes. It entertains us, but we want to entertain you if it's just something that's a fucking deal breaker. Yeah. Let us know. That being said, my stance is it kind of makes it funnier to yeah, me. I agree. I, I like a good censored f bomb, but um, you know, I grew up with uh, cable TV where Maury, uh, yeah, you know, we didn't have uncensored everything. Jerry uh, Springer, on, right, right, yeah. exactly. It's just yeah. like it's funnier Classy to wonder programs. It's funnier to wonder what was said, even if you know. Cheers. <laughs> well, let's True. not get out of track, Peter. Yep. Here we go. Prequel time. Mm. Prequel title. Castaway, colon, murder on the Federal Express. Tagline, guaranteed in four to seven business days. Director, Tex Avery. I'm very excited to put my unique twist on a beloved, critically acclaimed property. <laughs> the animator? Yeah. Is another Tex Avery? I guess not. No. Yeah, okay. Um, synopsis. Morning, Memphis, Tennessee. Linda from HR has put the coffee on and laid out the crawlers for upper management of Federal Express. A jovial Chuck Noland, Colin Hanks, enters the communal area with a skip in his step and a song in his heart. Fresh from a busy morning of escorting elderly women across the street, donating to charity, 
and preparing healthy school lunches for inner-city youths. Chuck is ready to get back to the old grindstone, making Federal Express the most efficient method of non-electronic mail available. Before heading to his desk, as he does every morning, Chuck grabs his favorite donut, old-fashioned, unfrosted, and peeks his head into his superior's office. Inside are seated managing supervisor Tims, as portrayed by Grandpa, and supervising manager Gruff, also portrayed by Grandpa. Hey fellas, how's the Joe? Tims and Gruff look dimly into their cups of coffee with no response. Just wanted to let you guys know that I was able to get that Phoenix to Nashville line 20% more efficient by clearing up one of the choke points in the Midwest. Now we'll be able to guarantee overnight to the South. Well, that's, that's swell, Chuck. Said the Gruff. Yeah, really, really good stuff, Chuck. Said the Tims. Oh, thanks. We do it all for the love of FedEx, am I right? All right, I'm going to munch on this donut and get back to the old 9 to 5. Chuck laughs all the way back to his cubicle. Tims grabs his styrofoam cup of coffee and crushes it in his fist. I hate him so, said the Tims. I hate him more, said the Gruff. Listen, Tims. Oh, I'm listening, Gruff. We know that the district manager position is going to open the next few months, and both you and I know that we don't stand a snowball's chance in August against Chuck for the job. Lousy no good Chuck. Now the question is, what are we going to do about it? We're going to do what we've always done, Gruff. What's that, Tims? Cheat. Cut to midday. Tims is standing in the middle of the break room minding his own business. Chuck, whom had just sorted out diverting 2% of company wasteful spending to a charity which gives therapy kittens to orphan chimpanzees, waltzes in with a real hankering for some probiotic-rich yogurt. Oh, oh, hiya, boss. What you doing in here? Oh, nothing really. Just standing on this painted X with uh, an industrial-strength acne magnet. Gee, why would you go ahead and do something like that? Orders from corporate. Say, would you mind holding this for a minute? I really need to go to the bathroom. Well, sure! Tim hands Chuck the industrial strength magnet and slowly exits the room. Back in his office, Gruff holds a pair of scissors delicately over a rope. Tim's barges in and gives him the signal. He cuts the rope. Back in the break room, a weighted lever drops and tips over a glass of milk, which fills a bowl of cereal, which a nearby cat knocks over in an attempt to eat it, which puts out a small but controlled fire, which fills a nearby counterweight, which then unhinges a box of knives that are drawn directly to the industrial magnet. A loud metallic clang can be heard throughout the office. Later that day, Tims and Gruff pop bottles of champagne, smoke stogies, and scratch off lottery tickets in celebration of the senseless murder of a decent human being who is clearly more qualified and deserving than them. (laughs) Ah, yes. Arranging elaborate murders is so much easier than putting in an earnest effort into our own careers. Well put, my good Gruff. Now get on the rotary phone. Let us hire an inexpensive stripper. Huzzah! The two cackle loops. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's got to be an inexpensive one. Well, um, yeah. It's not all for you. Yeah, yeah exactly. You're your bachelor party, but, you know, it's everyone's party. You know, you don't think it's got to be all about you. You know, you get an inexpensive stripper. It's just more likely to, uh, I don't know, man, like, do, do stuff. You know? <laughs> Suddenly, there's a knock at the door. To their abject horror, it's Chuck, completely unscathed and chipper as always. Hello. Hey, 
Colossos. Thanks for getting me all that cutlery earlier. While I was hurtling directly toward that industrial-sized magnet, I noticed an inscription on the back of each of them. Turns out, the set belonged to a family who thought it was lost over 50 years ago. Naturally, I'm overnighting to them using the new Midwest pipeline I opened up. Couldn't be nicer folks. They said they're gonna name their next child after me. <laughs> Chuck scampers away. Gruff and Tim's are both gruff and, um... Upset? I don't know. <coughs> Damn it, Gruff. The plan was foolproof. What else can we do? Look, Tims. I might admit we perhaps got too fancy that time. Perhaps it's time we did things a little simpler. The next day, Linda arrives early to the office as she always does. But to her dismay, the donuts have already been laid out. Gruff and Tims wave her along ensuring she doesn't disturb their carefully arranged confectionaries. As if on cue, Chuck comes strolling in after a rigorous morning of donating blood and organs. He steps up to the procession of donuts and Gruff hands him an unfrosted old-fashioned, just like usual. As Chuck raises the donut to his face, a lit fuse reveals itself. Oh golly, that painting is just a little uneven! Chuck drops his donut to the floor and goes to adjust a watercolor of some kittens playing with yarn. In a panic, Gruff and Tim's pass the explosive donut back and forth, until finally dropping the donut into a nearby yet oddly placed laundry chute. Oh dang, where'd my donut go? Chuck asks, unaware of how close he came to a donut-related death. <laughs> Gruff hands him another unfrosted old-fashioned, and Chuck runs off to his desk to get back Just to work. Just plain cake. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, that's why I picked the most boring donut. <laughs> I like old-fashioned. Hello? It's plain. All aboard. Unfrosted, plain old-fashioned. I really have to with the crumb cake, though. Well, yeah, crumb cake's completely delicious. Yeah, and that's, that's covered in, like, cinnamon and yeah. sugar. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it is. <laughs> Hell yeah. It's Johnny Legs. Yeah, you know, it's fucking... Sugar! 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 Weeks pass. Gruff and Tim's have all but given up their hopes of cutting down a Hanks in the prime of life in order to get a 10% pay raise like Max. <laughs> names. <laughs> Tim's. Gruff and Tim's. Uh, Jame. Yeah, no, exactly. Agent 770 JM Bond. <laughs> it's just not fair, said the Gruff. It's utterly unconscionable, said the Tims. Gruff slams his face against his desk and slobbers a bit. But underneath a bit of drool, he notices a flight itinerary. Tims, it looks like Chuck is taking an overseas flight tonight. Interesting. Where to? Over the South Pacific. They're flying over the middle of nowhere. Small crew, only three or four aside from him. Gruff... I don't know. Are we really willing to destroy the lives of dozens of completely innocent human beings in order to advance our careers in, like, the literal slightest fashion? Gruff pulls out a Desert Eagle and quickly executes Tims by gunshot. Sorry, Tims, but you wasn't focused. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah! I know that line. <laughs> I, know, I know which song that line is from. I know that! I've heard of that! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> in a haste, Gruff wraps the industrial strength magnet from earlier in the FedEx overnight container. He affixes a timer to have the magnet pulse in approximately nine hours. Gruff loads the package into the back of his H2 Hummer because of course he drives one of those. After running several stop signs and sideswiping a tricycle, Gruff makes it to the airport just in time. He sees Chuck saying goodbye to his fiance in the airport driveway. 
and vomits slightly since his body is unable to process joy. He flags down Chuck on his way to the plane. Hey, Chuck. <laughs> I got one more for you. Oh, thanks, Gruff. Wouldn't leave any important package behind at the FedEx way. Oh, this is a very important package. <laughs> Chuck hands off the package and boards the plane. As it takes off, Gruff lights a cigarette and stares on with glee. Smash cut to leaving on a jet plane. Roll credits. Oh, no. <laughs> Well, that's all, folks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. that's great. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I had in my mind that you were going to do, like, the, the FedEx story. I was like, Peter's going to comb through, like, like the wiki on FedEx's, you know, you know oh, man. So, forming, and he's just going to fucking write it out into a narrative. You didn't. No, no. I, uh, I, I uh, thought about that, but it was so boring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah, that, those yeah. kind of ideas when you're like, yeah, I'm going to get real in-depth. It's like, ah, oh, that's not very entertaining. Uh, yeah. yeah, which just goes to show us we're talking shit on a bunch of movies, but it's not fun to write these movies. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of hard it's work. It's a lot of hard work. Yeah. It doesn't take a couple afternoons. Yeah. Right serious drama. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which yeah. goes to show you. It's not what we're here for. No, we're not what we're here yeah. for, and you're not here to listen to it. No. You, we're, we're a movie comedy podcast. Comedy movie podcast. Yeah, comedy whatever. whatever. Are, which way is it? It's which movie way? and comedy podcast. I know it's a movie and comedy podcast. Yeah. But is it a. It's not a comedy movie podcast. No, it's, it's a, a movie, movie and, and comedy, comedy podcast. podcast. Yeah. Uh, 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 the laugh at the end. Oh yeah! It's just so <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Oh, ho, ho, yeah! It's a very important package, and uh, you know it's not PSR without uh, extreme acts of violence peppered yeah, in there. That's true. Yeah, I only had one. Yeah, I only had one, yeah. but it was uh, you know he just wasn't, he wasn't fucking focused. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. He wasn't, he wasn't focused. He wasn't. It's just going to show you that you know behind every death is just a, a cartoonish orchestration of that death. You know, it doesn't. It doesn't you know, yeah. planes just don't just go down. All right. No. Definitely not. And you did good because uh, there was no arc for Chuck in this. Because no. that's what a pre that's what people's f yeah. up they, all the time. They, yeah. Exactly. No. His arc isn't castaway, not no. the prequel. He's yeah, just exactly. a spineless worm. No, the arc is <laughs> Gruff getting what he wants. <laughs> Gruff yeah. Tim's <laughs> like yeah. I literally spent like most of not most of, but a good chunk of writing this was like what I was gonna call the stupid bosses. <laughs> You're like hmm. Tee hee 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 <laughs> like like script jokes just yeah. like like yeah. Good use of Colin Hanks though. I mean I think that that's been great. That hasn't been done in the Hanks verse oh, of movies. I mean, are there any uh, are there any Tom Hanks movies that get a prequel? Uh, really? Uh, no. Uh, really? No, there aren't. But yeah. he would be the perfect person to choose because he kind of looks like him. Yeah, crazy, right? Yeah. Call, yeah. Colin Hanks. Oh, you're being yeah. You're being sarcastic. Yeah, right. Side note, I love Colin Hanks. He's delightful. He's very funny. He's good. Yeah, he's, he's a good very, actor. He's, he's not in very much. Yeah, wish... he's, he's carved out a niche for himself. He yeah. had a lot of trouble. Actually, fun fact, um, the casting for Anakin Skywalker in episode two, Attack the Clones, was down to him and Hayden Christensen, but George Lucas opted for Hayden Christensen because he thought the Hanks name would be too distracting. Yeah, that's just too yeah. distracting about those films. It was good. 
good. Yeah, he made a lot of good decisions with the yeah. prequels. Yeah, speaking of good decisions, Tom Hanks having to come into like fucking like stick up for Colin and set to George. Is yeah. Like, where I t- wait, where are you having my son fucking say? Did you have a Did you have a co-writer or anything on this? Did no. you look over this? Or no, none of that happened. All right. Um, Rotten Tomato score critics seventy five percent. A cutting look into the sadistic offerings of an average office setting. Corey Coleman, DoubleToasted.com. Audience, 22%. Honestly, I was expecting an island or at least like some murders. There was only one murder. Gennard Mason, Hastings, Missouri. Uh, the explosions were alright, but I didn't like them insulting old-fashioned donuts. Willa Branch, San Rafael, California. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Budget. Stand up for those fucking donuts. <laughs> they're like good get if they have... Yeah. You know, I know they donuts get a bad rap, okay? They're good if they have stuff on them, like a plain old-fashioned that's unfrosted. It's not so good. It's got glaze on it. Ew, you're no. eating a bagel? No, no, it's plain. There's no... It's unfrosted. <laughs> what do you mean? They don't even put a glaze no, on it? I'm very clearly said plain unfrosted. I know, but I thought I thought plain no, those unfrosted exist. was just a glazed old fashioned. No, there's our old fa- with, there are old with, fashioned with no chocolate on it. There are old or fashions. No maple. There are old fashions that are literally just plain on cake with no frosting. Mm. I wonder yeah. who decided what the color for the maple, you know, the, the frosting was going to be. Because it's not a good. It's not an appetizing yeah. appealing no. color. <laughs> no, it's not a good. Flashback like. Like four days ago at work or something, there was like some donuts left over from something, and uh, it's like maple. Ugh. <laughs> it's not the worst, but it's no, just, you know, it's, it's not, not, gonna, the it's best not color your first though. pick. If I'm gonna go sugar, I don't maple like- is not my like sweet fix that I like. I don't, it reminds me of fucking breakfast food and yeah. it's, uh, it's chocolate or just regular glue. I don't, I don't yeah. love that the, the equivalent of the Boston cream donut with maple is called a maple log. Hmm. You don't call food logs. You don't call yeah, food I, logs. You should not. Yeah. Yeah, unless it's toss log. You can saw delicious. logs. Um, yeah. You can you can saw actual logs. Yeah. Um, you know, you, I mean, you can. Yeah, you can. We don't. We don't. No. No. We're all about staying awake on this podcast, keeping y'all, keeping y'all awake. I actually know a few of our listeners fall asleep to our podcast. Well, apparently we're not very good. <laughs> Whose voice do you like the most? Which soothes you to sleep? And why me? is it Desmond? And why is it me? <laughs> you like my oh, fucking goofy ass voice? I hope you do. Uh, no beer smoke, we right. <laughs> 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 No, you're not! <laughs> <laughs> Alright, uh, budget $15 million. Expect <laughs> This didn't cost it. It was shot in like one. Yeah, it's like it's shot in one office building. Oh, sound stages. It's just like uh, it's it's like a Ready Player One situation where is a. Me- I'm sorry. Who did you say directed? Oh, uh, Tex Avery. Tex. <laughs> oh yeah. Well yeah. There you go. Yeah. It's like like uh, the post uh, Ready Player One situation. Someone's doing it in their off hours of another bigger movie. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. Budget fifteen million dollars. Um, expected gross profit one hundred and five million dollars. Actual gross profit, $25 million. Honestly, Castaway bummed everyone out real bad, and the lack of America's sweetheart, Wilson the Volleyball, was starkly missing. And that's it. All right, Peter. Excellent job, bud. As always, you kicked it. You brought us out the gate at high speeds. Look at the the speed it's bang. Uh, uh, Bang. Yeah. Uh, I have no soul. Right, the prequel's done, so it's time to move on to the sequel, which is presented by R. Desmond. Title, Wilson Quest. <laughs> Tagline, friend, lover, 
volleyball. <laughs> oh. Director Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I'm so on board already. Synopsis Transylvania, 1691. <laughs> oh, no. Legendary monster slayer Vamp Killer X, played by Taboo from the Black Eyed Peas, makes his way up a long hilly trail to a moonlit dilapidated castle. He arrives at the castle threshold and pushes open a large for <laughs> the large foreboding doors. He enters slowly and looks around cautiously until finally fixating his gaze on what he had come for, atop a once elegant stairway. He enters slowly and looks around cautiously until finally fixating his gaze on what he had come for. Atop a once elegant stairway on a regal throne sits Wilson, as mocapped by Andy Serkis. Yes. Die, monster. You don't belong in this world. Oh, no. Oh, my God. Wilson remains absolutely silent. Tribute? You steal men's souls and make them your slaves. Wilson just sits at the throne, lifelessly. <laughs> your words are as empty as your soul. Mankind ill needs a savior such as you. Wilson's still silent. A thrilling battle escalates, with Vamp, Vamp Hunter X whipping and dodging around the motionless volleyball until eventually bursting into flames. No! This cannot be! Love me some Castlevania. His adversary now defeated, Wilson continues with his modus operandi. Just kind of lay there. <laughs> the title, Wilson Quest, flashes in the screen, written in blood. In the present, Wilson awakens from a haunting dream of his origins, still floating out in the ocean after Chuck Nolan failed to save him from, the floating, from floating out to sea. Would Chuck have befriended him, having known that he was Count Vlad Tepe's Dracula? Thoughts like these have been haunting Wilson constantly over the past 90 days he's spent drifting. In the distance, Wilson sees a large ship. His eyes, or lack thereof, have proven unreliable in his dehydration. <laughs> but no, the figure draws closer. Before Wilson knows it, an 18th century ship pulls up right next to him. The sailors throw a fishing net into the water and pull Wilson aboard. Wilson is relieved to finally be to safety until he sees the ship flying a Jolly Roger. He looks around at his saviors. Pirates, no doubt. At that moment, the clip-clop of a peg leg echoes across the vessel. The ship's captain comes down the stairs from the main deck. Captain Costner, Kevin yeah, Costner, yeah. gives a sinister grin of silver and wood. Hello, friend. <laughs> seems your salvation has arrived or has it years ago I made a film and everyone hated it it was my masterpiece a gripping drama about the human condition the people they rejected it it was then I realized I was too good for this world so I sailed off onto the horizon in my trusty trimaran Unfortunately, those things aren't meant for deep sea like my movie implied. <laughs> I shipwrecked in a matter of days after a big storm. I thought all was lost. Until this here 18th century ship sailed and found me. I staged a mutiny and became captain. Who's the true mariner now? So my question for you is... Do you like Waterworld? <laughs> Obviously there's no response. Oh! Smart guy, huh? 
You kiss your mother with that mouth. <laughs> Wrong answer. Take him to the brig, boys. Wilson is escorted below deck to the brig and chained to a wall. Another prisoner leans over to speak to Wilson. Ah, buddy. Let me guess. Uh, <laughs> you said you didn't like wall. <laughs> you said you didn't like Waterworld. Yeah, he's pretty sensitive about that. He sailed out of L.A. Harbor one day drunk in a schooner and got lost in the Bermuda Triangle. Now he scoops up shipwreck survivors and makes them walk the plank if they don't like his dumbass movies. Anyway, uh, what's your story? Ah, I get it. Everyone's got their demons. Well, sit tight. They're probably going to execute us later. <clears throat> Wilson lays shackles. Gee, I wonder who that was played by. I don't know. <laughs> Do we need to... You I mean, no, you didn't have to say it at this point. I do get it. Um, Wilson lays shackled, pondering his fate and greater purpose in life. Slowly, he begins to nod off into a dream. Wilson! Wilson! Says a loving female voice. Wilson opens his eyes. And I, I guess, uh, <laughs> gazes upon his beautiful wife, Mildred, played by Mila Jovovich. Oh. Hey, sleepyhead. It's almost noon. You promised Daniel you'd take him to the fair this afternoon with his prized pumpkin. Well, of course I fixed breakfast. Yogurt and fruit with a piece of toast. And coffee. Mildred brings a tray of food and sets it over Wilson. And there's something else. Wilson looks, maybe, down at the tray <laughs> and sees an ultrasound photo. He presumably looks at Mildred lovingly. <laughs> <laughs> of course it's real. It's a boy. I know, I know, we can't afford another baby with me being the only one working it and all and you being on disability, but it's such a blessing. <laughs> oh, baby, I knew you'd be excited. <laughs> I love you so much. Mildred begins kissing Wilson and the two make love. <laughs> After the morning delight, Wilson rolls out to the front yard of the couple's rural country home. Their son, Daniel, measures his prized pumpkin. Dad, four feet tall. I'm gonna win for sure. <laughs> Come on, Dad, stop. You're embarrassing me. It's not that impressive. <laughs> the family laughs playfully and shit. At that moment, a large hulking figure in a trench coat walks toward the farm in the distance. It's none other than Sabretooth, played by Ed Harris. <laughs> Good afternoon, folks. Pardon my interrupting this fine day. Uh, can we help you? Indeed you can, ma'am. I'm here for your husband. What could you possibly want with him? Sabretooth looks at Wilson. She doesn't know who you are, does she? <laughs> you always were a piece of work. You remember our deal, don't you? Exactly. <laughs> and you didn't keep your end. Your line was supposed to end with you. You cursed your child. Now you must pay the consequences. Just then, Sabretooth's chest explodes. Pan over to Wildred. Yeah, Wildred. Now holding a shotgun. Seemingly dead, Sabretooth then gets up, wounds healing. Oh, ma'am. Why'd you have to go and do that? Sabretooth then lunges, claws out at Mildred in berserker rage. Daniel steps in front of him. Leave my mommy alone! Everything happens so quick. Wilson has no time to process what has happened. Oh my god. He looks over. There lies the shredded corpses of his family. Sabretooth standing over them. What now? Are you gonna come with me? 
or am I gonna have to kill you? Wilson begins to glow. He emitting from his rubber body. He launches into the air and flies directly at Sabretooth and then... Hey! Hey, buddy! Wilson opens his eyes again. Awoken from his dream by Lo- Johnny Legs, of course. <laughs> yeah, so uh, looks like Captain Costner is going to tie us to the mast of the ship in some sort of offering to the siren. I don't know, man. This whole thing makes, like, no sense. <laughs> Johnny Legs and Wilson are affixed to the ship's mast. Costner stand, starts ranting some old-timey sea captain bullshit as the two shiver in the sea wind. Just then, black clouds are seen in the distance. They grow thicker closer. Captain Costner looks at the ever-growing black void. That's no storm cloud. Those are crows. Thousands of crows. More crows than I could ever count. The humongous murder of crows swarm the ship, shredding the scurvy-ridden sailors to pieces. Blood and guts paint the sails red as the crows feast on eyeballs and human fingers. The first mate tries to run, but one of the demon crows burrows through his skull and shrieks. Ah. The crows then grow back together and swarm around in a tornado-like fashion. Counting crow singer Adam Duritz materializes <laughs> with the full the crow makeup on. If you want to call me baby, just go ahead now. Hey, uh, hey man, that's not even a counting crow okay. song. <laughs> Yells Johnny Legs, <laughs> still strapped to the ship mast. <laughs> Captain Costner spits out blood as he tries to crawl away. You've come to finish me off, Ebert. People love Waterworld. There's no reason you'd have to do it again. Adam Duritz walks up and puts his hand on Costner's forehead. Shh. You've had a hard life. Let me purge you of your pain. Duritz opens his mouth and emits a foghorn sound. Costner's head implodes. He then focuses on Wilson. Old friend, I never thought I'd see you again. <laughs> what brings you to this realm? Well, you do know there's only one way out of the Bermuda Triangle. You must offer the gods a peace offering. And they are very, very angry with you for killing Sabretooth. <laughs> If you slay the Minotaur of Muay Thai Island, you may be granted passage back to the realm of mortals. Muay Thai Island. Come now, I'll take you there. Durrett summons the crows, which levitate himself and Wilson into the air. They dart off into the horizon. Johnny Legs is left, still chained to the mast of a now-sinking pirate ship. In an unnamed lush jungle, we find the volleyball and Lieutenant Morrister, John Goodman, held up behind a barricade. The rest of their platoon is dead. Triceratops armed with light machine guns fire on our heroes. Oh. Damn it. They've wiped out the lot of us. <laughs> Look, boy, there's not much of a chance we're going to make it out of here alive. I want you to know I've always thought of you as a son, Wilson. I'll hold these three horned assholes off. You retreat into the jungle and run. What's that? You'll lay down suppressive fire as I make a run to the extraction point? I always knew I could count on you, Wilson. All right, here goes nothing for the Banana Republic! Morrister then makes a run for the clearing, counting on Wilson's backup, but is shot immediately several times in the chest. Wilson watches as his mentor dies, horrified as he takes his final breath. Wilson then snaps out of the flashback mode as he and Adam Duritz arrive at Muay Thai Island. This is as far as I can go, Wilson. Once there, you'll find an entrance to the Minotaur's Labyrinth. Men have been known to be lost for an eternity. 
Good luck. With those final words, Duritz explodes in the crows and vanishes. <laughs> Wilson rolls himself through the Minotaur's labyrinth. In fact, it's only a single pathway. The word labyrinth is an extreme exaggeration. Wilson finally comes to the Minotaur's lair. The Minotaur looks at him, sparks a cigar, and begins to speak. Uh, let me guess. The brass up in Olympus sent you here to kill me, so that you may gain passage out of the Bermuda Triangle. Well, I'll do you one better. Just leave. Here's a magic doorway. Really, no need for you to come to my house and fucking kill me. <laughs> You'd be amazed what can happen when people just ask. I wouldn't have had to kill like a hundred other dudes if they didn't come swinging at me with swords and shit. Minotaur opens the gold door and out amidst a bright light. I was in love once, just like you. I could see it in your eyes. Now be gone, ye, and seek that love yet again. And tell people to stop coming here. <laughs> Wilson rolls through the door and is enveloped by the light. He awakens in bushes on the side street of an unnamed city. Realizing he has finally exited the Bermuda Triangle, he goes to a nearby payphone and looks up his long-lost friend, Chuck Nolan, the only person left alive that he had any connection to. He tracks Chuck down to his home in a small town in Texas. Chuck is now married to Bettina Patterson and has a child. Wilson goes up to Chuck's door and rings the doorbell. Another volleyball answers. Oh, no. Can I fucking help you? It says. <laughs> Wilson, lost for words, rolls back. Yeah, I think you have the fucking wrong house, man. Wilson, realizing Chuck has replaced him, leaves. Rolling down a dusty country road, seemingly without purpose, he sees a crow on a cactus. Wilson smiles and continues on his way, doomed to roam the earth as an immortal. The end! Yeah. All right, and uh, let's get with some scores. No, for, first, Desmond. Wow. Yeah. That, like, hit all the buttons. That was amazing. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. I don't... Yeah. Like, it reminded me... Have you seen that movie Rubber? With the, oh, yeah. the sentient yeah, yeah. tire that kills people with its mind. Oh, it reminded I've me of that. Movie. Yeah, it reminded me of that. <laughs> Adam Durwitz, why not? Kevin Costner, why not? <laughs> Castlevania Symphony of the Night, why not? Sure. I loved it. Take a, take a big shit Minotaur. over whoever. Yeah, the Minotaur. Yeah. Minotaur. <laughs> of Muay Thai Island. Kevin Costner. Waterworld. <laughs> yeah. Just fucking crazy. <laughs> it was great. I mean, you know, uh, you know, a little backstory. When we decided we were going to do Castaway, we pretty much just delegated to Desmond that he's going to write the Wilson movie. And he did not disappoint. He did not you disappoint. Know, with all the... The, the just you know hit it in the perfect way where it's like yeah he's an inanimate object you know <laughs> why is all this stuff happening around him in, in retrospect I wish I had gone a little bit farther with like things happening around him but you know whatever I'm glad uh, you guys no, liked no, it no that was great it was great people saying things asking him you know questions that require an answer and just <laughs> oh oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah um, and, you know good old saber tooth uh, <laughs> somehow the that he got Kevin Costner got drunk and left the port of LA and wound up in the Bermuda Triangle. It's like, you'd have to go around like the Cape. You know, you have to go or like through the Panama Canal. Like, how the hell did you get all the way over? He was there? really drunk, Scott, okay? <laughs> drunk for how long? For, for so long. That's don't a you like long the voyage? Don't you like the idea voyage. of him packing up his bag? He's like, these people don't understand me and just fucking sailing off. Try, man. <laughs> 
fucking War Wolves great movie. I just don't see any reason why you have to God, do it again. Him calling the dude from Counting Crows Ebert. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> Which I don't think Ebert was uh, uh, particularly hard on Wall no, World. I think he was but, pretty. You had to pick but, a critic. Right, right. I, I, I did look up what Ebert said about the movie. Oh. <laughs> Ebert. This is like. Shitty. Uh, um, <laughs> was, I, yeah, what's up? Yeah, Rod's Mayo score. Audiences, 78%. It's great. He's probably better than hackers. Jimmy John, Wisconsin. <laughs> Critics, 0%. Everyone involved should be ashamed. And there's like no second act. <laughs> Reese Witherspoon, now a film critic. <laughs> Budget, $250,000. Expected gross profit, $600,000. Actual gross profit, $2. No one sees the film because the entire movie plays in lieu of a trailer, negating the need for anyone to pay to see this. Much like the original. Dang. Oh, yeah. Dang. Way to bring that full circle there. And there you go. Full circle. Circle like a, you know, like a volleyball. Like a volleyball. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man! Well, that was great. Well, I'm glad you guys liked it. Yeah. Uh, 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 you know, Counting Crows is very important to me. Is it? <laughs> oh, really? Can you name two Counting Crows songs? I fucking can't. And I like, uh, <laughs> I really wanted to choose a Counting Crows song, and I was like listening to them. And I was like, I don't know any of these. I'm not gonna fucking like remember the tune to this. Like, no. Counting Crows yeah. suck. They have some okay songs. I don't know enough to stand in defense in either way. On, Fair. On this yeah, song, that yeah. song from Shrek. They did the song from Shrek Two. Yeah, and he's he's like a bunny, and he makes that nice breakfast for that girl. Yes, that does happen in the music video for "Accidentally in Love" by the Counting Crows. Bunny cucked for the <laughs> what? Unforgivable. What? I don't know. I, I'm I'm out. Of, I don't have any context. Anyone fucking listening right now who knows what's being talked about, you know what I said was true. Yeah, two of our like hundred plus listeners. Yeah, I love you. <laughs> All right, um, so we've been preed, we've been seed. Now let's get queed. We gotta get read. No, oh, wait. I think yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> queed, <laughs> queed. <laughs> queed sounds like the first name of like a southern someone or other in like the 1800s. Um, but <laughs> the person queeding right, ah, queed. Don't so say queeding. <laughs> don't, so don't say queeding. I regretted it as soon as I said <laughs> yeah, it. Anyway, that. Scott's doing the remake. It's Scott's turn. Scott. All right, guys. So there's going to be a couple of things a little different <clears throat> about this remake this time. Oh. 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 Mainly because it's, it's slightly collaborative. Oh. Um, so uh, before I start, I'm going to need... Oh no! A noun. Um. Oh, this is fun. All right. Uh, ginger. All right. Adjective. Yeah. Sequin. That's okay. That. All right. Sequined. Sequined. Sweet. Sequined. Sequined. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, an animal. Sea cow. A verb. Running. Uh, adjective. Sticky. Well, no, wait, couldn't sequin just be... No. No. Sequin is not an adjective. Sequined is. Uh, a noun. A noun. I sound like a fucking idiot. Uh, house. Uh, and an adjective. Um, let's go with cantankerous. Another adjective. Um... 
By the way, you slick. guys are you guys are writing this entire script. Oh, really? <laughs> no, That's I'm pretty, just kidding. Okay. Slick, slick. All right, I like that. Um. Okay, and a noun. Um. Spittle. I yeah, guess it is. Yeah, yeah. It is. yeah. And an adjective. Um, coarse. I mean, we're like uh, on the description of texture. Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> yeah like, a lot of that guy. Uh, yeah, that'll that'll play nice. Yeah. Here we go. Right. Remake for Castaway. Title. Castaway. All right. Tagline. Critics are hailing it as the grittiest remake of 2018. <laughs> Tagline two. Light me up that cigarette and I strap shoes on my feet. <laughs> Damn uh, you, Scott! <laughs> directed by David Ayer, who directed Suicide Squad. Ayer. Ayer. Yeah. Whatever. He also did Training Day, which is much better. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Suicide yeah. Squad. Training Day is badass. Produced by Bad Robot. Oh. Can't wait for this to tie into the Cloverfield universe. Hmm. The Lost Universe, you fing asshole. The Lost Universe is in the Cloverfield universe. No, it's not. Yes, it is. It is. Anyway. Wikipedia this later, you jerk. Well, it's beyond that point. Let's just get into the script. Yeah. It's 2018 on the east coast of Florida. In the pale moonlight, the ember of a cigarette can be seen flaring in a darkened field. Christopher Nolan, I mean, Chuck Nolan, <laughs> as played by Christian Bale, takes a drag off his cigarette, eyeing the other two men by the pallet with silent disgust, when suddenly his phone rings. It's his ex-wife, Kelly Frears. He lets it go to voicemail. But she calls back. What do you want? I knew you were there, you son of a bitch. For your information, I'm very busy at the moment. So let's just make this quick. You haven't gotten your son anything for the holidays, have you? Just pick up some toy or something. Tell him it was from me. I'm not making it to Memphis this time of year. Some toy? For crying out loud, Chuck, he's a teenager. You have no idea what he likes. I don't know, Kelly. Get him a bike or a girlfriend or, better yet, just cut him a check. I know you've got plenty of mine laying around, so why don't you just give him one of those? Oh. <sighs> You're a gritty piece of shit, Chuck. <laughs> you need to be more involved with your child's life. Oh, great, Kelly. Pin it all on me. Maybe I'd be a bigger part of his life if he didn't run off and fuck my dentist! <laughs> Lightning flashes off the coast. There's a storm a-brewing out there in them oceans. The moon is quickly being obscured by some offshore cloud banks. Chuck sees the flashing lights of a small airplane. Look, I gotta go. Chuck hangs up without another word. The plane lands and taxis across the desolate, swampy runway with no lights on. Somebody order a plane? Says the pilot Wilson from the plane window, as played by John Leguizamo. Yay. The Hawaiian shirt-wearing pilot exits the plane oh, no. and, and walks over to Chuck while the other guys involved start loading the plane with a bunch of boxes or something. Bad sign. You look like shit, Wilson. Hey, same to you, Chucky. How's the wife? You still f***ing your dentist? She's my ex-wife, Wilson, and he's my ex-dentist. Just like you're about to be my ex-pilot. I've been getting eaten alive by these f***ing 
fucking mosquitoes out here. What took you so long? I don't know if you realize this kind of thing, Chuck, but uh, there's a big-ass storm coming in. It's definitely not flying weather. But we gotta, you know, kind of make this drop. So I had to chart a new course. But don't you worry, buddy. We're gonna make that deal on time. And you brought the drugs? Let's just keep this casual for fuck's sake. Okay, boys, let's move it! Time is money! The plane is loaded and takes off, pitching slightly in the wind. Chuck Nolan puts in his earbuds to listen to some awful current music for some reason and relax with his name-brand headphones in. Not long into his short nap, Chuck is awakened by turbulence! Wilson flips his head around. Hey, buddy, sorry, did I wake you? Well, listen, this hurricane is getting pretty big out there. Hurricane? So I just charted us a course to go around the outside edge, taking us just through the Bermuda Triangle. I don't foresee this having any further complications. Which, yeah. 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 Yeah, right? I love when the things come back around like that. A lot of stuff about the Bermuda Triangle. Yeah, yeah. Actually, you want to know what it really is? It's uh, it's underwater methane. uh, Underwater... deposits of methane that, that basically the methane comes up and it throws off the whole balance of the air and that causes okay. lots of things in the plane, ship to sink planes to go down oh. it's actually a pretty reasonable explanation when you yeah, think about yeah, it yeah absolutely um, but anyway that's beside the point is there a try uh, no we're gonna no, I don't know but we're gonna go with the, the idea in this one that it's all strange and mystical and stuff I love that you know, I love that yeah. idea immensely. yeah yeah. Um, yeah yeah everybody loves that suddenly the plane jolts violently and begins to lose altitude one of the nameless crew members smacks his head on the cabin, like real bad. In his injured struggle, he smears his bloody hand on Wilson's face. Hey, watch it. I'm trying to fly here. Chuck Nolan looks out the cabin window to the wing just in time to see it rip off. The plane goes into a tailspin amid the storm. He straps into his seat to prepare for the crash landing and real quick picks some song on his name brand phone to match the crash perfectly. But it hardly does. Probably something like, what a wonderful world, you know? Oh. Yeah, I don't like yeah, it's, uh, yeah. The plane metaphorically explodes into the surf, immediately flooding most of the cabin, which then rips in half. Through the flashes of lightning, we can see Chuck struggling in the surf. He sees one of the crew members splashing around and attempts to swim towards him. But then, a gigantic pelican, talking 20 feet high, dives into the ocean on top of the crew member. Next thing Chuck sees is the outline of his crew member struggling in the neck flap of this giant pelican as it gobbles him down. Chuck swims away as fast as he can and almost goes under when he is pulled up by the scruff of his neck by Wilson into a life raft. They float into the ocean into the night. Things are scary and the boat eventually crashes onto some rocks. They get onto the island and you get the picture. Yeah. The following morning, Chuck and Wilson awaken on the island. Chuck takes out his waterproof cell phone and attempts to hail a rideshare. His driver, Ozmeen, will arrive in three weeks. <laughs> Scoffing, he declines the ride and accepts the $5 cancellation fee. Wilson is dancing in a loop from one foot to the other. Hey, Chuck! Hey, Chuck! Check it out! It's a dead body! I don't know why I'm so excited about this, but wowzers! <laughs> Chuck and Wilson look at the dead guy in the beach surf. He's missing a foot. And a hand. Hey, you recognize this guy, Chuck? No. He's not one of our crew. If he ain't one of our crew, then where'd he come from? How the fuck should I know that, Wilson? Help me drag him inland. Let's see if he's got any fucking money. 
Unfortunately, <laughs> they do not find any money. I see him like in the suit, like like Bateman too, just like Bateman on an island with Johnny Legs. Yeah, a great movie. Idea. Yeah. Anyway, <clears throat> but they do find a couple of cans of ice cold name brand soda, which they crack open and cheer ceremoniously. They decide to take a look around the island because why not? In the dense jungle, they make their haggard way. Though, to be fair, they're in really good condition considering they were just in a plane crash. But boy, do they ever have dirty makeup on. (laughs) Chuck attempts to light a cigarette, but his lighter is still wet. The giant fly the size of a watermelon starts buzzing around them. Something happens and they subdue the fly, whatever. (laughs) They make it to the peak of the island to discover it is indeed a desert island. Chuck stops to take a selfie at the top. While angling his face for the proper lighting, he notices something in the forest. Cut to Chuck and Wilson coming upon a rundown shack in the jungle. Hello? But no answer. They creep inside to find a laboratory in shambles. Broken beakers and Bunsen burners and shit. (laughs) Something violent took place here long ago. They find a neatly placed journal. It's missing some of the pages, but some of it is still legible. If anyone finds this journal, please send for help. My name is Professor Ron Daisy. I was contracted by the government agents to do research on this island. They pitched it as a philanthropic adventure. Due to my extensive background in biology, I thought it would be a wonderful opportunity to further my research and have a fun educational experience with my family. I was wrong. This island is not found on any map. Technically speaking, it does not exist. So everything about the research was kept secret. And while at times it was ethically challenging, the research we accomplished was truly groundbreaking. We actually ran the very first sticky ginger in a laboratory. (laughs) It wasn't until after the first year that I figured out that we too were part of the experiment and that we were trapped here. My sequined house is now inoperable. (laughs) Terrifying, slick sea cows broke into the uh, laboratory and ransacked everything. (laughs) Everything went downhill so fast. And now my only concern is for the safety of my family. If you find this journal, realize that you too are now in grave danger. Something, something, coarse, cantankerous, spittle. <laughs> Chuck is stunned by the notes. It's fucking resonant. Sort of. <laughs> yeah, it is. It totally is. Uh, then he feels the barrel of a gun against the back of his head. Who are you and what are you doing here? We're, we're lost. We were on a plane and we crash landed into the ocean. Oh, yeah? Is that why you were looting Abuelo's corpse on the beach earlier? Uh, Chuck looks over to Wilson, who has his hands up as also at gunpoint by another individual who speaks. These guys are some agents. I say we ice them here and now. Works for me. No, 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 no. He's telling the truth. We were flying around the hurricane and then we we crashed into the ocean. Fly around a hurricane? Come on, man. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. (laughs) You know, in hindsight, it probably wasn't too great of an idea. (laughs) And what, and what, you were just out for a sightseeing flight? We're, we're express delivery service. We had a plane full of packages. Please, just let us explain. After a tense moment, the guns are lowered. 
Chuck and Wilson are introduced to James, Donald Glover, Corey, Kel Mitchell, and Shayna, Vanessa Baden, child survivors of the failed island experiment that turned turned into adults via the process of time. <laughs> they detail how, one by one, the island crew and their family were picked off by giant monsters or simply disappeared into the night. As far as they know, they are the only survivors. The crew then move operations to the fortified living quarters before dark. Chuck lies awake at night, unable to sleep. Strange noises are coming from the jungle outside. He decides to play solitaire on his phone for an hour and a half before finally falling asleep. Hour and a <laughs> half? <laughs> Fuck! <laughs> yeah. Oh, kitty. The max I've maybe done that is, uh, you know, uh, in class, and that's not, it's like, you know, 55 minutes tops. <laughs> uh. Oh, it's a very engaging game. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Scott's fucking seal of approval. The following morning, Wilson is pissing into the surf that is immediately splashing him on the legs when he spies one of their packages from the plane washing up on the shore. He takes a knife to it and gets a nice bump off the blade tip. It's still good. He finds a few more packages. Boy, howdy. Then he sees Chuck and the others walking down the beach and decides to stow the drugs behind a rock. Chuck sees Wilson trying to act inconspicuous and waves. Wilson waves back. Suddenly, the ground below Chuck and the survivors raises up off the ground. They are on the back of a giant crab. Don't you just hate when that happens? Oh, oh wait a sec. It's all becoming clear now. <laughs> they slide off the side of the crab, which snatches up Corey in his claws. As he screams, Help! Help me! The others shoot at the crab point blank, which only enrages the crab. <laughs> Using a length of rope, they tie one of the crab's legs and attempt to flip it on its back. But the rope slips from their hands. The crab starts to scuttle into the ocean. When it explodes... It completely explodes. <laughs> James scratches his head. Uh, yeah, I guess that works. Corey frees himself from the gooey crab mess. Ugh, gross. Chuck barks at him. Save that butter for me. It's the best part. <laughs> Shayna inspects the crab. I wonder why it exploded like that. Crabs don't usually do that. As if on cue, a man in some sort of giant shell-based diving rig and coconut-based grenade launcher walks ashore. He pulls off his shell mitt and reveals that his head is Sean Connery's head. <laughs> Greetings. I'm Captain Mino. You, you mean Captain Nemo? Me? No. I'm Mino. Me no no Nemo. Me me Mino, yes? Uh, sure, whatever. Right then, let's get you cleaned up. Captain Mino escorts them back to his cave lair where he has parked a remarkable submarine. He slaps the hull of the ship affectionately. She's a tough old gal, but unfortunately, she may never take the she again. Really? Hey. Uh, it seems like it's, it's in pretty great condition. I said she may never take the she again. I came here years ago to spy on the operations of this mysterious island. What was happening here was not your average government conspiracy. Now, what they might have told everyone that they were working to end world hunger, but that was a cover story. The reality was far more macabre and gritty. Incredibly amoral experiments and gigantism 
human-animal hybrids, robot Carter Blakes, and even zombie mind control viruses. You know, the works. It turned my stomach. And so I decided to sabotage the entire experiment and end this atrocity for good. Unfortunately, in the process, my submarine took extensive damage to the hull and rendered me unable to leave. James speaks up. So let me get this straight. This entire time you've been here on the island, just spying on us and letting most of my family get eaten by monsters? I'm ashamed to admit it, but yes. You see, I'm kind of awkward about meeting new people, and I was always trying to find the right moment, but I couldn't work up the nerve. And then this whole crab thing happened, and the timing seemed right, you know. So, you know, there's just, you know, not much more to it than that. Uh, but hey, if you want really to use some of my supplies to fix your little boat, I should go for it. I must stay here in my broken submarine and nurse this glass of scotch. <laughs> <laughs> Best crab I ever cooked. And use Mino's supplies to fix their little boat is exactly what they do, spending the rest of the afternoon doing so, then playing a rousing game of volleyball into the evening until it's time to retire to the living quarters. James is happy. Thanks, guys, for all your help. Tomorrow we can start discussing our options for getting off this mysterious island. After nightfall, Chuck looks over and sees that Wilson's bunk is empty. Chuck uses his cell phone light to walk down the beach where he finds Wilson loading up the boat with the packages of drugs by a lit torch. What are you doing, Wilson? Oh, Chuck, so glad you're here. Yeah, I almost finished loading the boat, and then I was gonna come up and get you and scoot, scoot right out of this place. Hey, look at all the packages I managed to scoop up just, just from right on the beach here. I only opened and tested most of them. <laughs> At this rate, we can still break even, even if Arthur decides that he doesn't want to break our legs and murder us. Chuck takes a step towards Wilson. Why didn't you tell me that you found the drugs, Wilson? I, it was, it was going to be a surprise. I, I figured, you know, keep a low profile, you know, I don't really trust those other guys. And what about the boat? Should I just take your word that you were going to come and get me? Or maybe you thought you'd leave me here. Take all the money and drugs for yourself. <laughs> Come on, man. I would never do that to you. It's, it's me. It's Wilson. Your buddy. One, two, finish. Like always, right, Chucky man? James steps out of the shadows with a shotgun. Going somewhere? James, <laughs> buddy, how are you? Cut the shit, Wilson. I can see what's going on here. I knew the moment I saw your eyes light up when Mino mentioned the boat. Well, this ends here. James pumps the shotgun. Wait. Please, we can make a deal. A great and terrible noise rings out of the jungle, followed by the sound of crashing vegetation. Don't move. Suddenly, the branches part in a treetop, revealing a huge amphibious monster. Oh no, it's Binya Binya! Giant mutant polywog Binya Binya screeches as it scoops up James, who lets off a shot but only grazes the monster. James is quickly eaten. As the monster crashes around, it knocks with the torch over and sets fire to the jungle. Chuck and Wilson get in the boat and begin to speed out to sea as fast as they can. Binya Binya screeches and lumbers after them, causing several sets of waves that nearly capsize the boat. Binya Binya is now waist deep and trying to grab at the boat. Chuck and Wilson 
barely make it over the coral reef where the largest surf breaks and manage to escape the monster. Chuck looks back one more time to see the silhouette of Binya Binya screaming into the night as the island catches fire. The following morning, Chuck is awakened by the sea spray of a passing whale. Wilson is already awake and cooking eggs somehow. <laughs> Morning, buddy. How you want your eggs? Fried? Over easy? Scrambled? How about just raw and covered in salt water? That's what I'm having. I'm good, thanks. Chuck then notices something he hadn't seen before. Something glimmering in Wilson's corner of the boat. Could it be? Oh, holy Toledo! It's a ship! Look, Chuck! It, it, it's a ship! Wilson begins desperately trying to signal the ship. Chuck moves forward and uncovers the object in Wilson's clothes. It's a badge. Son of a bitch. Hello, right over here. Yeah, come on, save us. And then what, Wilson? What's your plan when we get back on land? <laughs> what? We make the deal, we get the money like always. Chuck grabs a paddle in one hand and shows Wilson the badge with the other. You mind explaining this to me? Okay. Oh, okay, okay, look. I, I know what it looks like, but I swear to you, it's no big deal. No big deal? That you're a cop? Hey, no cop! I'm a fed! We, we basically are drug dealers. It's, seriously, it's no big deal to us. Well, it's a big deal to me, Wilson. And besides, who's to say you survived the plane crash? Chuck smacks Wilson in the head with the paddle. The two have a drawn-out brawl in the boat that ends with Chuck bashing Wilson in the face repeatedly, then dumping his body overboard. Chuck shakes his head and tisks. Wilson. Sorry, not sorry. Oh, no. <laughs> Chuck is then knocked on his ass when the boat is rocked by the whale. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> the whale hits the boat repeatedly until it begins to fill with water and sink. Chuck tries to grab onto something to float, but everything around him sinks or floats away. The whale breaches again and gives him the stink eye. You know, that kind of look that says, burn in hell, you piece of shit. <laughs> with the whale, like, like up with its little eye out. Like, what's, it, what's the cold that when they do that? It's breaching. Breaching, yeah. yeah it's, it gives him the finger, whatever. And then it disappears beneath the waves. Chuck tries to wave to the passing ship, but it too is disappearing over the horizon. Chuck floats for hours, just trying to doggy paddle. He pulls out his cell phone to turn on some kind of emergency locator, but accidentally drops it. Eventually, his arms give out due to exhaustion, and he begins to succumb to the sea below. The last thing he sees is a hot air balloon flying overhead, with Corey, Shanna, and Captain Mino flying off to dry land somewhere. The end! <laughs> Well, that was that was a journey, Scott. It was a journey. It yeah. was a very great journey too. Uh, um, you know, you took pretty much everything under the sun that had to do with uh, people being washed on a fucking island. Yeah, and there and was everything. Our remnants. Yeah, and everything under the sea. Under the sea well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you did a great uh, uh, Patrick Bateman and Christian Bay. Great, great <laughs> Christian. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, I had to sneak that one. Uh, Johnny Legs in his most thrilling role yet. The drug dealing aspect. No bullshit. I would like if they did remake the movie. I'd see like that's, yeah, that's yeah, kind of that's interesting. Cool. Uh, yeah, that's how you make a whole packages of things gritty. 
Yeah, that's it's, what you it's mean. a gritty, gritty remake. Yeah, it's a gritty uh, remake. You yeah. started off with the Suicide Squad. We're gonna have uh, the songs playing and all that. Yeah, yeah. 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 Good directors making good movies yeah. by using you know those songs that were popular in the '60s and '70s. Yeah, and then those just evoke a certain feeling, and people are like, "Wow, this is good." Yeah, exactly. I, even yeah. though you're born 20 years, 20, 30 f***ing years after this song is popular. Yeah. Uh, uh, the Use of Mysterious Island, which for our listeners is a great f***ing, um, I want to say Harryhausen movie, but I don't think it is. It's, it, it is, actually. It is he, he, he did the, okay. Well, he did the, uh, the special effects. Yeah. Uh, uh, great old... Which is uh, the best part of that movie, Stop Stop motion creature feature on a, uh, hey... Spoiler, Mysterious Island. Things yeah. happen. Which Check is, it out. Which is a cool old movie. Don't watch the Hallmark remake. Just watch Mysterious Island. Yes. The original. Uh, uh, I do like that ours both managed to tie in the Bermuda Triangle. So yeah, is, you know. it's very... Um, but mine was actually came from the research. So I, I was writing in a way where I didn't deliberately want, especially, you know, any of us who grew up with it, to get how many references to Gullah Gullah Island there were. But there were a lot, and so I wanted the, the actual reveal to be at you know the binya binya part. When you, when you listen back to it again, you'll you'll you'll, Wait. you'll come to understand that there's. W- were there's, those all the names of the fucking cast? Oh yeah! Oh, oh yeah! 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 Uh, you know, if you go back and you watch some episodes of Gullah Gullah Island, you'll see a lot of familiar faces. Let's just say that. Well, I can say that I will be watching some Gullah Gullah Island later tonight. As we all should. As, As we, we all, all should. should. Binya binya, the best Muppet. Tell us, listeners. He's yeah. not a Muppet. He's a fully grown man in a suit. He's a suit you know, man. That, suit was, man. Th- that was very much a throwaway comment I made, but now that you, you point that out. Big yeah, Bird no, is a Muppet. Doesn't even qualify as a no, Muppet. No, Big Bird is a Muppet, a Muppet, and Big Bird is a man in a suit. You would consider a man in a suit a Muppet? Big even Bird though he's is not a, being puppeted? Big Bird is a man in a suit, and it is a Muppet. Yeah. All right, but you know he's getting lumped in with all assessments. I think it's a law of average. Does Carol yeah. Spinney have his fucking hand up in Big Bird's head? Like, well, it's not yeah. going to be just some man opening his mouth. Up I fucking know that. Yeah. You, but uh... <laughs> yeah, but you know that's what I, I, I did wanted it to be like a kind of a subtle. It was subtle know, thing, and, and, and not overtly stated until now, which is you know kind of a fun. It's fun to reveal. No, it's yeah. great to reveal. I was I, really I worried that if I gave it away too early, that you know one of you guys was just going to get it. Oh, I, straight I, out. I, I, I didn't I get was, it until. I, I was Binyo wondering Binyo. what was uh, you know okay, very specific names, and they're all black. What's the and that's yeah. I don't mean that. Yeah. Well, hey, yeah, that's yeah, just, yeah, yeah. But I was just, just like, what's show. the correlation here? And uh, uh, Gullible Island, which is um. Great, great show for black. So let's go over the stats. Woo! Budget, $420 million. All right. uh, Rotten Tomatoes score, critics score, 120%. All right. Great. Broke the aggregator. Uh, They're trying to get people to go see this. Audience score, 10,000%. Loved it. It was just... You hit on all the all the right buttons for the gritty remake crowd. Expected gross profit seven hundred and twenty million dollars. Actual gross profit three sixty five one eighty million 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 Dolores. This just in. Cheeses are awesome. Wheatins are old. Old is an extreme. Tell him, Alan. <laughs> They're awesome. <laughs> Get that one in there because I wrote it. <laughs> Critics say, "Go put your foot in your hand and just see this movie as fast as you can." 
audience reviews. You know, I thought it might be a more thoughtful movie than it was, but I guess in 2018 you just gotta take what you can get. Best remake ever! Wilson was better off as a volleyball, but the explosions were awesome. Christian Bale perfectly represented a gritty, violent man. What a stretch that must have been for him as an actor immersed in the Hollywood culture. <laughs> oh, good for you! <laughs> I love that cell phones and selfie culture were a big part of this remake. Really. I really think that. Yeah. Trivia. This movie spawned a unique online sexual subculture known as casties, who, while in a serious relationship, will deliberately strand themselves on islands for pleasure. The sick f***s! Uh, they also reshot the entire movie in a Welsh accent, only to revert it back to the original takes because, you know, reasons. Yeah, why not? Um, and Carlos Santana was originally slated to score the entire movie, but backed out due to budgetary concerns. Yeah. <laughs> what are you going to do? Yeah. When you tighten the belt, you miss out on him playing those riffs. Those and that's it! Sweet riffs. That's it. That was fantastic. Well, I don't yeah. know about you guys, but I think this was a pretty good podcast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think a- we, you know, we finally did justice to Castaway. Um, yeah, this Oscar-nominated film finally yeah. getting its due. Did it yeah. not f***ing win? It didn't win for anything. I don't Wow. That's it got nominated think, for a bunch. Yeah, didn't win for anything. For just being a fucking good ass movie, like, yeah, it just wasn't was, uh, you know heartbreaking enough. You know? Yeah, it's true. The adversity know. was the island. Yeah, yeah. man. Well, um, yeah. If you liked what you heard, um, give us a rating or review on whatever podcast network you're listening Wait, to. Wait, Peter. If you like what you heard, give us a rating or review on the uh, podcast network you may be listening on, whether it be iTunes or Anchor. Anchor or iTunes or any of like the eight other ones we're on. Um, yeah. Just go to prequelsequelremake.com slash subscribe. Click on the podcast network you're on. Subscribe. Leave us a rating and review. Seriously, they matter so much. They have a lot of the good fortune we've had is thanks to how many ratings and reviews we've gotten so far. So thanks a bunch if you've done it already. If you haven't, why? Why don't you like us? And for the people who've listened to our best of episode, you now know that if you leave us a cool little audio clip of, or a question or something on uh, Anchor, Anchor yeah. that, that we uh, are, we're listening. We're, we want to hear you. We want to know what you like about the show. Uh, if there's things that bother you, <laughs> well, maybe we'll address it. Uh, yeah. But <laughs> just get involved with your local prequel, sequel, remake online. Um, you know, we, we, we cherish uh, uh, your your input and we want to have more of it all the more of it that you have to give we, we, and tell, tell your friends tell oh. every single one of your friends and, and sit them down and you, you put them in one of those electric chairs but you don't you don't electrify them you just make them listen to the podcast and then they'll be like that was, I liked it that was pretty good you know and then yeah yeah. so that yeah. Um, I would say do that and also, you know, I just want to, uh, I hate to end it on such a sad note, but um, I do want to express my condolences for Sykes, um, who passed. Uh, Sykes was the blowfish character from um, Shark Tale, Shark Tale yeah. as, as depicted by Martin Scorsese. Yeah. Um, Sykes is uh, sadly no longer with us, but if you, if you go to our YouTube page, which is uh, YouTube dot com slash in living terror where there's lots of other funny videos you can subscribe and you know we, we got I mean, other, we got we do those. other stuff this uh, is funny 
This is the latest video. This is not supposed to be funny. This is a very heartfelt, funny about it. Uh, deep, um, you know, look at Sykes and all that he offered to the world and, you know, the amount of money that um, Will Smith's character owed him. It was substantial. It's really great to just get in the, the studio and record this to just choke, you know, get 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 through the tears. Because yeah, uh, it's been rough yeah. on all of us. It and, has uh, been. You know, sex meant a lot to all of us, especially Desmond. Especially me. And I don't want to go into it. Maybe I'll open up in the future. But um, you know, the least you can do is go pay your respects um, to our dearly departed sex. And we're gonna go out with just an audio snippet of uh, that video. Um, here you go. Besides. Besides. Say something, I'm giving up on you. Look, I've been going over my markers. You're into me for five grand, five Gs, okay? I'll be the one if you want me to. Simple, the food chain. You see, on top there's five grand, five Gs, okay? Anywhere I would have followed you. Look, I have to start paying down legal protection. So everything you owe me, you owe him five grand, okay? Say something, I'm giving up on you. Five G, okay? And the film, the characters and ways come to life. 